Thank you very much. Senator Noway, do you want to say anything? Uh, Mr. Chairman, I can open the statement there. Without objection, uh, Senator Noway's opening statement may be made part of the record. Ms. Rogers, you said that uh, these funds that were expended didn't come from gaming, gaming revenues. Where did they come from? From revenues from the tribe's other businesses, manufacturing businesses, uh, printing plants. I see. Um, Ms. Rogers, Jack Abramoff recommended the tribe hire Michael Scanlon at the year at the end of year 2001, as you have testified. Did Mr. Abramoff tell you that Mr. Scanlon was an independent contractor? He did. Did Jack Abramoff or Michael Scanlon ever disclose to you that Mr. Scanlon would pay Mr. Abramoff any of the money paid to Mr. Scanlon by the tribe? Oh, no, sir. <clears throat> the tribe never intended the money it paid to Michael Scanlon and his company be kicked back to Jack Abramoff? No. Ms. Rogers, in 2002, the Capital Athletic Foundation, Mr. Abramoff's private charitable foundation, reported on its tax forms that the Mississippi Band of Choct Choctaw Indians was far and away the single biggest contributor. According to publicly available tax forms, of the $2.6 million that the Capital Athletic Foundation raised that year, almost $1.9 million, 70% of it, went to the Maryland Jewish Boys School started by Mr. Abramoff. Michael Scanlon and Jack Abramoff directed the tribe to make these contributions. These weren't intended as contributions, Senator. They were intended to be passed through to other groups doing grassroots public advocacy work for the tribe. In other words, tribe. the tribe did not know that 70% of these monies were going to... Not at all. They were never intended to be contributions. Jack Abramoff and Michael Scanlon never told you that the Capital Athletic Foundation was Mr. Abramoff's private charity? No. Ms. Rogers, another major beneficiary of the Capital Athletic Foundation in 2002 was an entity called the Colel Ohel Tifort. I'm sure I mispronounced that. It received almost $100,000 from the Capital Athletic Foundation that year. Based on this committee's investigation, it appears this organization was a sham entity designed to funnel payments from Mr. Abramoff to an Israeli settler who ran a sniper workshop. Is it fair to see that, say that neither Mr. Abramoff nor Mr. Scanlon ever told anyone at the tribe that the tribe's money would be used to finance paramilitary activities in Israel? Oh, no, we only learned that from your staff. Um, Uh, could uh, Mr. Kilgore, Exhibit 95 is an email exchange between Jack Abramoff and Michael Scanlon on March 3rd and 4th of 2002. Um, basically, it says. Um, it says, by any chance you send us a balance, can you get me a check to presidential kosher holidays from my Choctaw share? Do you think we could figure a way to expenses? Any idea? Thanks. That's from 
Mr. Abemoff, Mr. Scanlon. Mr. Scanlon says, I'll think of something on this. I'll get back to you. And then he said, Mr. Abemoff says, you is that man. Did you uh, intend any of the money you paid to Mr. Scanlon's companies to be used to cover Jack Abemoff's Passover vacation? Absolutely not, Mr. Chairman. Um, we, we could go on and on. Um, Mr. Kilgore, the, in two, October 2002, as you mentioned, the tribe paid $1 million to the National Center for Public, Public Policy Research at the direction of Jack Abramoff. Is that correct? That's correct. Jack Abramoff told the tribe that the entire $1 million would be passed through to the grassroots organizations working on issues important to the Mississippi Choctaw tribe. Is that true? That was our understanding. Um, I, there, there's other questions, but the pattern is clear here. Uh, I first of all want to thank the tribe. I know that this has been a very difficult time for them, and there was concern that somehow the tribe would be blamed for this uh, exploitation and ripoff that is taking place. Um, I view you as people who are trying to act in the best interest of your tribe and recognize that a lot of those interests are affected here in our nation's capital. There's no one I have greater respect for than Chief Martin, who I've had the privilege of knowing for more than 24 years. Uh, I only have one additional question, uh, Senator Dorgan, and I guess I would ask, Ms. Rogers had the most interface with, with Mr. Abramoff and Mr. Scanlon. If they were here right now, Ms. Rogers, what would you say to them? No, I've, I've been asked, Chief Martin asked me that same question. And I've told him that I'm past anger and bitterness, but it is the act of betrayal, betrayal of the tribe's trust, betrayal of those of us who worked with him. It's, it's an extraordinary uh, story of betrayal, of deliberately building trust and then betraying it. Would you like to make any additional comments, Mr. Ben? No, sir. We certainly appreciate the time you have provided for us, sir. Mr. Kilgore. No, Mr. Chairman, I have no further. And how long have you been in office? March 1st of uh, 2005. That's after uh, 32 years of private practice. You have a, a very large task ahead of you, and we thank you for all of your cooperation. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We have a vote beginning shortly. I'm going to run over and vote while Senator Dorgan asks his questions, and I'm going to try and get right back. Mr. Chairman, thank you very much. We were told the vote would begin about 10:45, so if it works the right way, we'll be able to uh, proceed with the hearing without a brief recess. And if that is delayed just a bit, we'll have a very brief recess. First of all, Ms. Rogers and Mr. Kilgore and Mr. Ben, thank you for your cooperation. The, the staff. Uh, has indicated to us that you've been extraordinarily uh, helpful to them. And I know, based on your statement, Mrs. Ro Ms. Rogers, that uh, uh, you used the word betrayal, which I think is an awfully good description of what has happened here. Um, there are two tracks here that I want to talk about. One, I think Senator McCain has covered pretty well, and that's the track of just what appears to be outright fraud, extracting money for the purpose of... Uh, for, for one purpose, rather, and then using it for something else and not disclosing to the tribe who was
spending this money as a part of a business relationship that this money was misused, used for some mm -hmm. other purpose. And it's pretty clear with the research that our investigators have done that uh, the trail on that is, is evident. It's in writing. We have uh, a, a many, many, many memorandums that go back and forth that describe in great detail exactly what has happened. The other area that I described briefly in my uh, opening statement is not, it, it is not the kind of fraud that is just upfront fraud. It's the obscuring of the source of money in order to deceive where money came from or where it was spent. And that also is of interest. I don't think that um, it's, a, it's a kind of a different set of circumstances because it appears to me that money was run through C3s or C4s, I guess, in this case, in order deliberately to obscure the, the source of the funds. And that was at the request of Mr. Abramoff, as I understand it, and others. I want to ask you just a bit about that, if I might, uh, whether everybody knew that. There's a, an exhibit number 33, I believe. Um, as, I, as I ask about that, Ms. Rogers, you indicated that, um, that the money on that side of the issue, that is for activities that were perfectly legal, grassroots activities, the money on that side came from from non-gaming sources. Was that right? Is that that's correct? correct. What would be the purpose then of uh, of the recipients of that money demanding that it be washed through organizations in order to obscure and deceive the identity of the money? If if it is in fact non-gaming, what was the purpose of the deception on the on behalf of the recipients and those who decided to run it through C4 organizations? I may have to consult with the tribe's attorneys because I'm obliged by the tribe to be concerned about First Amendment issues. Okay. But I'd like to try to answer your question. I, I don't. This, we didn't have a sense of an effort to obscure the money. There was simply the use of intermediaries, which is a common practice in this country by businesses and political and professional groups to use intermediaries to get their message out. And Jack Abramoff had structured that. Um, I'm sure there probably were concerns or public perception concerns about some of the recipients about not being associated with a tribe or with a gaming tribe. And I hope I've answered your question. I'm not trying to be evasive. I'm trying to understand. Uh, deal with my obligation to the tribe as well. Memorandum number 33 uh, is a memorandum, I believe, from Mr. Abramoff to Mr. Reed. It says, thanks, Ralph. The firm has held back all payments pending receipt of a check from Choctaw, which was held up because of paperwork glitch. And in that case, my expectation would be the recipient or the expected recipient of the money because of that memo knew exactly where the money was coming from. And for that reason, I don't understand the, the, the reason to, to uh, try to move that money through an, a C4 organization to obscure the identity of the money. Do you, uh, do you have any notion of why that was the case? I consult with the attorney. Myself. Yes, of course.
Yes, the recipient did know where the money was coming from. And, and presumably then wanted it obscured so that it wasn't evident to others. Presumably. I, we never had any direct conversations. You know that uh, some, some money to that type of recipient, Mr. Reed and some others, I believe, was passed through Preston Gates at one point. Did Preston Gates uh, charge for any of the money as, 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 for being a conduit for some of that money? I don't know the answer to that question. I would have to ask the attorneys who are looking at all the billing. That was so long ago. The, but, but there was a charge for that for the purpose of obscuring the identity of the source of the money. There was a charge made by the Americans for Tax Reform. Is that correct? No, sir. I don't believe there, there was a charge made for obscuring the money. Um, let me rephrase it then. The money that was run through the C4, Americans for Tax Reform, a certain portion of that portion, a fee was charged by the Americans for Tax Reform for the purpose of moving the money through that C4, isn't that correct? There was a small management fee, but we had, I had a long-term relationship with Americans for Tax Reform and assumed that that payment would simply be used to support the overall activity of ATR. How large was that payment? Do you remember? I believe it was... I believe it was $50,000 over a period of time. But we routinely made contributions to Americans for Tax Reform because they had allied themselves with the tribe early on in the tax fight to tax uh, tribal revenues. Mm -hmm. Let me ask about, um, if I might, the issue you, you raised it in your testimony, the issue of money for the purpose of a meeting with the president or a White House meeting and you indicated that no Choctaws had... Uh, no donation was made for that purpose, nor did anyone attend the meeting. Are you aware at this point, based on the evidence, that some of the money went for that purpose? We, uh, the attorneys are saying we don't know that. Um, let me, I believe there are a series of... Uh, Memorandums. I don't think I have the number for those at the moment, but uh, an email dated April 5th, 2001. <coughs> Abramoff dictated a note to. Uh, do we have that exhibit? I believe it's. I believe you do. It's exhibit number 38. Okay. Abramoff appears to dictate a note to Grover saying, here is the first of the checks for the tax event at the White House. I'll have another $25,000 shortly. Familiar with that? On the top of that memo, I believe it says, uh, well, it says I believe it says Nell approved that. Well, we funded Senator Dorgan, if you look at the first memo at the bottom, email. Jack Abramoff sent an email to me asking us to make a contribution to the new anti-tax campaign. That's what we approved, was a contribution for that. Mr. Mr. Abramoff, so you were making a contribution, you thought, for that purpose, and Mr. Right. Abramoff and, was... And then he represented to ATR that we had made the contribution, apparently, from this email trail. His representation to ATR was that it was for the White House. Dinner. 
And then there was a uh, another follow-up memo from ATR about the uh, a White House meeting the second year, I believe, 2002. And that's where I think the confusion was, because in that memorandum, uh, it was represented by ATR that the Choctaws were involved in the White House meeting previously and had made a contribution for that event. And so you're saying that that representation is inaccurate, right? That's inaccurate. Yeah. But we will, obviously, I mean, these pieces of information are part of the record, and I think hopefully we'll clarify exactly what was happening. It appears to me that Mr. Abramoff and others, ATR, Mr. Norquist and others, were putting together events, or trying to put together events at the White House. One apparently must have happened in 2001, and seeking $25,000 contributions for the cost of those events, and promising meetings with the President, and so on. And it's helpful for us to know because the the written information from Mr. Abramoff and ATR also would suggest that the Choctaws... We, uh, the Choctaws didn't participate. Yeah, I remember those invitations, but normally they were primarily for state legislators to come in to the, and meet with the president. And then tribes and were extended invitations, but the Choctaws did not participate, didn't respond to any of those invitations. The... Um, the money that the tribe paid to the National Center for Public Policy Research, um, that that money was expected to go where, in your judgment? It would have gone to support some of the activities, uh, grassroots activities with smaller groups, polling, research, opinion pieces, education pieces. NCPPR had done some of those for us earlier mm -hmm. when Ms. Rednauer visited the reservation and had expressed a real interest in how the tribe was using gaming revenue to support tribal culture, language, and that sort of thing. So uh, sending that money to the National Center for Public Policy Research and discovering that a portion of that paid for a previous bill that was owed, I believe $75,000 that was owed by Mr. Abramoff to someone uh, going back to his days as a filmmaker, that was something that you would not have been aware of and would have been an unauthorized use of the funds? Absolutely. About $10,000 of your money being sent to Reed for Chairman, Ralph Reed, seeking the chairmanship of... We, we didn't know that or didn't certainly didn't authorize it. So what, what you have, it seems to me, is a substantial amount of money going from the tribe with the expectation it's going for a normal business purpose, a business relationship with Mr. Abramoff, a substantial portion of that being skimmed off to a secret partnership established by Mr. Abramoff and Mr. Stan Scanlon, uh, and, and that represents the, what appears to us to be the fraud side, and of course that's a, that's a judgment that I'm sure the justice and others will make in the criminal arena. Uh, and then on the other side, money that is moved through C4 and perhaps a C3 organization, uh, part of which appears to have been, uh, um, I was going to say misdirected, but that's too soft a word, I mean, part of which appears to have also been fraudulent, it's particularly the 
expenditure of the money through the National Center for Public Policy Research. I'm not suggesting that they're the ones that spent that money. I'm, and in fact, they're going to testify today, and we appreciate the cooperation. But I'm suggesting the money was diverted by Mr. Abramoff and Mr. Scanlon. And then uh, the other question that I mentioned is the, whether whether there was misuse of C3 and or C, especially C4 organizations to be a conduit to receive funds in order to obscure its identity for the purposes of others. And I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I suggested to the chairman that we uh, we hold open that question and perhaps meet with the Senate Finance Committee. I, I think it, it does warrant uh, additional inspection because in addition to the information we have, we have references in emails to other C4 organizations that have been used. So I don't know what the entire inventory of C4 organizations would be here, but it appears to me that the C4 organizations were used as a convenient uh, buddy system to move money around in order to obscure its identity. Um, you know, sometimes that's called laundering, but that has a criminal connotation. I don't know that this is criminal at all, but I know that it is laundered from the standpoint of the recipient so that it comes out clean for the recipient. That appears to be what the email trails suggest, not from the standpoint of the tribe, but from the standpoint of the recipient. So I think all of these raise an enormous number of questions. We have, as I said, email trails and email tracks on it, which I think will, uh, will be helpful. Um, let me ask uh, Senator Inouye if you have some questions at this point, Senator. Thank you. During this period of relationship with uh, Mr. Scanlon and Ms. Abramov, how much did the tribe provide these two men and their organizations? Senator, in a way, uh, in both Senator Dorgan's opening comments and Senator McCain's opening comments, they referred to those amounts. Uh, they got those from their from the staff. We have provided that finan detailed financial information to the staff. Uh, they've accumulated uh, those figures. Uh, yesterday, we met with the staff, and in anticipation of that question, we those figures that were given is what our records show. I'm sorry it wasn't here, but what, what is the number? I believe that uh, on uh, Mr. Uh, uh, on um, payments to capital campaign strategies, DBA, Scanlon, Gould, and his groups was approximately $15,855,000. And then in uh, Mr. Abramoff's um, receipt out of those funds was in the range of five to seven million. We, we've not been able to pin those down exactly, but we're working on that, and we'll be glad to supplement the record at a later date once we get an agreement with the staff as to exactly what that figure is going to be. As a general rule, organizations and law firms who are doing business would provide periodic reports in writing to their clients, telling them giving them a progress report on projects and such. Did you ever receive any report from Mr. Kill, uh, Mr. Abramoff or Mr. Scanlon? Oh, yes, sir. We received detailed reports. We know that the work was done. We received detailed reports. We met once a year or twice a year. And we also had independent means of determining that work was done. And this was not fraudulent work? No, sir. Did you also receive receipts from these organizations? 
We've received bills from the uh, law firm. Yes, sir, we received receipts. From the law firm. And we always had a budget and cost uh, from Mr. Scanlon's companies as well, as and from the grassroots companies. Now, these reports would advise you that certain things had occurred? Yes, sir. Did you take the time to check to see if that did actually occur? We know that the work was done. So you're saying that a certain portion was not fraudulent? The work was done, what appears to be fraudulent, with the overcharges and the conspiracy. I probably shouldn't use that word because I'm not a lawyer. Between the two, to plan to overcharge. Setting aside the work that was done, the legitimate work, how much of the amount that you mentioned would you attribute to fraud or overpayment or padding your books, etc.? Senator, in a way, may I inject here? I, the circumstances um, that that we're faced with here, we, we prefer not to give you, are not able to give you the the amount of harm in money terms. And the reason is this: we're in very sensitive settlement negotiations uh, with various parties, and and if we go into much detail on that, Senator, in a way, I, I think you can appreciate it will jeopardize our ability to to settle that civil matter with the, with those parties. Uh, we've already mentioned uh, two of the firms that we've either made an inquiry in or in serious negotiations. What we will do is, is once we conclude that, we'll be glad to get with the staff and supplement this record. We would even agree to an in-camera meeting with you and your staff to detail uh, those monies. Uh, it's just that this is a very sensitive time for us in those in those negotiations. When did the tribe realize that it was being defrauded or conned? I believe it was in June 2004 when Chief Martin and Mr. Rogers met with the law firm that was conducting the internal investigation for Greenberg Troig. They were shown evidence. And what step did you take at that point? Well, the tribe immediately terminated its relationship with Mr. Abramoff, and the lawyers began, um, you may want to speak to that, the lawyers began working with that internal investigative group. We were contacted by the committee, and of course we've been cooperating with the committee. We have cooperated fully with the Justice Department and the FBI. We've provided them documents and details. When did the Justice Department and FBI participate in this investigation? They began last summer. We had our first contact with them last summer. They came to Mississippi for interviews and records review and we've had subsequent uh, meetings. We had a subsequent meeting with them also in Mississippi. Are you satisfied that the investigation is moving along properly? I haven't had any contact with them, but the tribe's attorneys have had, so they may be able to um, address that. Senator, in a way, we are aware that that investigation is moving forward. It, frankly, I, I think that uh, the Department, my personal opinion is they're inundated with records 
I mean, we've looked at probably 60,000 emails, and uh, that's a lot of paperwork, a lot of paper trail. Your staff has done a, a terrific job in, in putting that in some <laughs> semblance of order. Um, my understanding is it just is, I think Senator Dorgan mentioned that every time that you take another look at this, it takes a twist or turn that's unexpected. And I think that's true for the criminal side, too. I think that every time they, they look at something, another avenue opens up. And I, so that's my take on, on where the, the justice uh, My last is. question, since you severed your relationship officially with the two men, did they ever contact you? They have not. Thank you very much. Thank you. Just one additional point. Uh, it is Exhibit 102 that I was looking for when we talked about uh, the White House issue. And I think, just for the record, I wanted to, you don't need to, to refer to it, but I, I, for the record, I wanted to make clear what it was I was referring to. And I think it's important that it be cleared up because uh, it, it is the, the one that indicates, uh, as you say, inaccurately that the Choctaws were at the White House. Um, let me. The vote has just started. I'm sure Senator McCain will be back momentarily. <laughs> Let me ask uh, you, Ms. Rogers, the, uh, obviously, this is, I, I said in my opening statement, this is a very successful tribe with substantial business skills evidenced by the success that they uh, have had with their uh, business enterprises. They hire many people, and uh, I think they're, uh, one of the largest employers in Mississippi. So, very successful tribe. And uh, we understand from the outset that you have legitimate business interests, that you would contract with people to engage in legitimate business uh, activity. So we understand all that. And the assumption with all these questions is not that you yourself, although your name is on some of these memos, but the implication isn't that you did something wrong. It is that the tribe was deceived. And it appears to me that the uh, the tribe was defrauded. Now, that's obviously that's a a matter for perhaps the Justice Department or someone else. But I think what Senator McCain and I and others on the committee are trying to do is just understand the story, what has happened here, and how can we prevent this from happening again. Um, you were asked by my colleague Senator McCain how you would address Mr. Scanlon and Mr. Abramoff, and I, I, I understand the, the passion of the answer. The, when Mr. Abramoff began to hand off a business relationship to Mr. Scanlon, what kind of relationship did the tribe representatives, uh, tribal representatives, have with Mr. Scanlon? Was there frequent, uh, frequent contact? There would be frequent contact, frequent reports. There would be frequent contact, frequent report. And at that point, did you still continue to have a relationship with Mr. Abramoff as well? Not as much. I mean, there were times when we contacted Mr. Scanlon to do something independently. And the unanswered question is whether or not Mr. Abramoff got a portion of that. I don't know. We don't know that, knowing that what we know now. Um, from looking at the emails, it appears that Mr. Abramoff was driving, and you've probably seen the same emails, was driving the call-up, do this, do that. And in many of the um, emails where Mr. Abramoff was directing Mr. Scanlon to do that, I didn't get a call or I didn't get an email. 
And Mr. Kilgore re referred to this, but I know that you're aware of it as well. We now know what gimme five means, and you've had a chance to review the emails. Mr. Kilgore, you have as well. Um, your reaction to gimme five? It, it, Senator, it, it's, it is a blatant, um, calculated um, scheme to defraud a client. Um, it, we have been surprised, you understand, we've, we've dealt with reputable law firms all these years, and we've relied on those law firms' internal ability to, uh, to, to audit what goes on among its uh, members and its shareholders. And we have been surprised at, at the uh, lack of institutional oversight on Mr. Abramoff. We never occurred to us as a, as a, as a practitioner for 32 years, when I bill a client, uh, that client can be assured that I'm billing actual time and my actual expenses. Um, and if I were in a firm, there would be somebody that would, that would be over, have some oversight. And we assumed that that oversight was in place. And uh, it, it uh, apparently, if it was in place, it has it was uh, insufficient. Let me refer finally, and our, the chairman has just returned, and I will then run and vote. Let me refer to Exhibit Number 45, just for the purpose of saying, as it occurs in a number of memos, the last two words is "give me five." Obviously, we know what that means now. It means I'm taking a cut of this. We're going to slice away a part of this for my bank account, uh, Mr. Chairman. I, I have. Uh, finished with these witnesses. I do, I do again want to say that we very much appreciate the cooperation. Ms. Rogers, you especially perhaps uh, were uncomfortable coming to a committee, but your name is on some of these memorandums. But from all that we know, uh, you're a victim and the, the tribe was victimized by what appears to be grand theft and fraud. And uh, your willingness to help us try to understand this, Mr. Kilgore and Mr. Ben and others, your willingness to help us is very much appreciated. We appreciate you being here today. Thank you, sir. I thank the witnesses. Thank you for being here. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully we'll never see anything like this again.